Well, welcome to Foothills Christian Church. If you're on campus for the first time, or maybe your second or third time, we're glad that you are here. Uh, we are a church that wants to give you the tools to grow in your faith. And so we just hope afterwards in the atrium, uh, you kind of go out, look at kind of what our connection point uh, kiosk over there, maybe look at starting point to kind of get your journey of faith going. Our goal is to help you in your journey to grow closer to God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you're watching online and checking us out, we are glad that you are joining us. And we hope that uh, you avail yourself of maybe inviting some friends and neighbors over, having a little brunch, watching the service. And then after the service, right up on the screen, we'll be discussing questions designed just for you to go a little bit deeper. We're currently in a series studying the spiritual battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And our goal is to try to understand why there's so much conflict in this world and what, if anything, we can do about it. And the first three messages were just basically laying all the, you know, kind of studying and looking at it. And the first one was that the kingdom of God is coming to the earth because Jesus Christ broke the power of sin and death over this world. And so the power of the kingdom of this world has now been broken, and so the kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus Christ said, if I am in your midst doing what I am doing, then the kingdom of God is in your midst. The second one is when you put on the full armor of God, you're able to stand firm in the face of the evil of the kingdom of this world. And then last week we talked about that the kingdom of God, in contrast to the kingdom of this world, is a kingdom of love. Therefore, it only grows through discipleship. And it's through discipleship that we push back evil. So today what we're going to do is we're going to discover what the Bible teaches concerning the best way to grow strong and be ready for the battle that's happening. And it's being fought on three fronts. It's being fought on a spiritual front. It's fought on a truth front or an ideological front. And then ultimately it is also fought on a physical front as well. Well, but today is a day in which we uh, have a family day. We have all the ki young kids, the elementary kids come in and, and participate with us. And so in order to get all of you young people fired up, we've got some helpers today, okay? And I've got Bella, who's going to come up here, and I got Luca, who's going to come up here. And we're going to first read some scriptures. Bella's going to read them about how we grow strong and healthy. And then Luca and I are going to have a little competition. You ready, Luca? Yeah. All right. Okay. So this is Bella. Why don't you read our verses for today? Let's give it up for Bella. Yes. There we go. Very nice. Okay, she's going to read from uh, Philemon, and then she's going to read from 1 Peter. Okay, so Philemon, um, 1, 6 through 7. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Very good. Okay, now read 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded that you may pray. Above all, love each, other so, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use faith whether you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace is in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Way to go, Bella. Thank you. So you can go right over there. So these are the passages of scripture we're going to study today about how to grow strong. So we thought we'd have a little bit of demonstration here. So Luke is going to do some push-ups. We're going to have a competition. We're going to see if he can do more push-ups than me. So how many of you are putting your money on Luca? Okay, that's right. All right. Okay. Now, the one thing about push-ups is that everybody always... I was going to say the word cheat, but that's not right. So this is going to be here. All right, you ready to go? And then, so make sure that your, your shirt, your chest goes all the way down to that. And all you young people, you need to count with Luca. Okay, Luca, you go first, all right? We're going to see how many you can do, okay? Ready? Go. One, two, three, four, five. I'm in trouble. Six, seven, eight. Way to go. Okay. Woo. Good job, Luca. Okay, now it's my turn. Are all you guys, you young people, ready to help count here? Okay. Now, I'm at the point in my life where when I'm standing up, it's easy. When I'm down, it's easy. It's the transitions that get me, right? You know, some of you know what I'm talking about, right? What's up down there? So once we get out, oh, there we go. Okay. All right, you guys ready? Let's count. All right, ready? Let's go. Give it up for the old guy. Way to go. Thank you, Luca. All right. Okay. The only reason I can do that is because three times a week I go to the gym and lift. And every time I work out, I start with push ups. <laughs> so when I started, I had to be on my knees and I could do maybe two or three. And so, but over time, this is what's important for all of you kids to understand is that you're at a stage now where you can grow strong in your body if you use it for what it was designed for. And what your body was designed for is not sitting on a couch looking at a screen. It was designed to work. It was designed to be active. It was designed to sweat. And so... We want to encourage you young people to get out there and be active because this is a reflection of what happens when you become an adult. And when you become an adult, if you want your faith to be healthy, you need to work it out. So we're going to talk about how to grow strong in your spiritual life. So let's go back to the passage that Bella read from. It's a very short book. It's called the book of Philemon. It is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And the reason he wrote this letter is because there was a guy by the name of Onesimus, and Onesimus was an indentured servant, which is a form of slavery, okay? And he had run away. He had escaped from uh, Philemon. While he was away... Paul meets him and then leads him to Christ and he becomes a Christian. And Philemon was already a Christian, a believer. So he says to Onesimus, he says, you know what you need to do? You need to go back. 
And he goes, I don't want to go back. I'm going to get in big trouble. He goes, you need to go back. And he goes, I'll write a letter to uh, Philemon on your behalf. So that's what this letter is all about. It's very short. And it's on, but there is a gem in there and she read it. And he is, he says in, in verse six, he goes, uh, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing, which is in you for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, the word fellowship there is a very important word because fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, which means basically more than just uh, giving something. It means an investment of yourself. So it has a lot more layers to it than just simply sharing. Like, for instance, on Thanksgiving... When it comes time for pie and ice cream, you know, I don't know if you guys ever have experienced this or not, but when mom basically says there's one piece of pie left, so one of you has to cut it, right, into two pieces, and then the other person gets to choose what piece they want. Have your parents ever pulled that trick on you, right? Yeah, yeah they do that, don't they, right? that's right because what they're trying to do is they're trying to say well one gets to pick right the sizes but then the other one gets to pick which one so you can't fudge right you want to get as close to it right on there well that's called sharing okay (laughs) fellowshipping is when you cut the pieces with one really big and one really small, and then you tell your sister, hey, you get to choose which what you want. See, that's fellowship. Because what you're doing is you're doing something that benefits them even more than you, okay? That's called growing up and being mature, and that's what he says is about fellowship. And what fellowship is, is it's, uh, uh, it's intentionally doing something that adds value to another person. And so what's really fascinating is what he says is that when you do this, he says, your faith becomes effective. Now, isn't that interesting? He says it becomes effective. So it's not just what you think that is faith, but it's what you do. And when you do it this way in fellowship, you come to a deeper knowledge of every good thing you have in Christ. Therefore, when you intentionally share your faith, when you intentionally are giving yourself away in your faith, you come to a deeper understanding of everything that you have in Christ Jesus, right? So the thing is, is that as you grow up and as you become an adult, you have to ask yourself, what? kind of person do I want to become? Now, there are various types of people out there, and I have a list up here, and you all know what a VIP is, right? A very important person, okay? And a very important person is a type of person that people look to, they, they're deferred to, uh, they walk in the room and everybody's okay like the captain or the general or the, the, you know, the person on top of the pyramid, you all defer to that person, okay? And so those are VIPs, okay? There's not lots of VIPs, but there's some people that live like VIPs. But I want to introduce you to VNPs, okay? A VNP is a very neutral person, 
all right? This is when you're around someone who is just kind of neutral. It's like, oh, they're coming over, okay. They're not coming over, okay. We're going to go out for dinner with these people on Friday night. Oh, okay. It's kind of a wash. It's not bad. It's not good either, right? They're just, they're neutral in your life, okay? Now, that's in comparison to VDPs. And you know what a VTB, a VDP is? A very draining person. These are the people that are like, I don't know, we call them emotional vampires. They just kind of suck the life out of you, right? And you don't know why. It's just that every time you go, you get so, I can't be around that person right now. It's just too much work, you know? They just take so much. And then there are VEPs. And you know what a VEP is? Is a very encouraging person, okay? These are people that you want to be around because they inspire you. You know, they, they always just kind of lift you up. They encourage you. And these types of people are the ones who have grown strong in the faith. These are the people who have a depth. They have a strength, a confidence about who they are. And so my encouragement is that if you want to share your faith and grow to a more mature knowledge of every good thing that you have in Christ, don't try to be a VIP or a VNP or a VDP. Try to be a VEP. That's the greatest gift that you can give to yourself, okay? Now, another place with the same theme of how we grow strong comes from the Apostle Peter and the letter that he wrote in the first century to the church. And that is the one that Bella read out of chapter four, beginning with verse seven. And I just kind of want to break this down a little bit from what she read and go through it. Verse seven, it starts off, the end of all things is at hand. So what he's saying is that the evil in this world at this time, what they were facing is bubbled up. And if you're not aware, Peter wrote two letters to the church, first and second Peter, and he wrote them because the church was being persecuted very severely. That's why he wrote these letters. They were suffering. And he says, the end of all things is at hand or near. Therefore, you should be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. So verse 7 tells us what to do when things get bad, when evil grows. He tells us that we should have sound judgment and we should be sober of spirit. These are signs of maturity in the faith. So if you're a young person, you should set a goal to not have the high score on Madden or Call of Duty. Your goal should be what? To grow into a person who is mature, right? You want to be mature and you want to be uh, sober in your judgment, right? Very sober in your spirit. That means you want to be knowledgeable and wise, so those are very important things. This is a great gift to give to yourself. Now, when things get really, really tough and they will get difficult in your life, when evil grows and your problems multiply, you can do things that will either make you stronger or make you weaker. 
And that's important to know. Now, the best way to strengthen yourself is to train ahead of time. You really want to be able to do that. You want to think, what kind of a person do I want to be now so that when things get difficult, I can be that person? Well, what kind of person do you want to be? Look at verse 8. He says, above all. So the top of the priority list should be what? Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Fervent is the key. Fervent is a word that means it's very intentional. You're going to take great care and perseverance in the process of your training in order to keep your focus on love. Growing strong in your faith, becoming a more mature person is actually an act of love. So the stronger you grow in your faith, the more mature you become in your faith, guess what? That is an act of love because a strong faith is always a loving faith. A strong faith is always a loving faith and a loving faith is a gracious faith. It covers a multitude of sins. And this is why discipleship is such a natural and easy way to grow spiritually. Discipleship, that one-on-one or one-on-two or three relationship that you have with other people is a relational way in which you can grow deeper in your faith, and that is an act of love for all of those around you. Now, notice in verse 10, what he says here, he goes, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God or the manifesting uh, multifaceted grace of God. It depends on which translation you have, whether they use manifold or uh, multifaceted. So it's really interesting here is he says that you should use whatever special gift that you have received. So you know what this means is that if you are a follower of Christ, you've been given what? a special gift. You have one, okay? And the action that brings out a mature and loving faith is not only knowing what your special gift is, but employing it, using it. So you have a gift and it's special. So use this gift. And when you do, you will grow. So let me recap this teaching in two basic biblical principles. So if you're writing this down or if you're following along, I want you to catch these two basic biblical principles. Number one, the more I share my faith, the stronger my faith grows, okay? Number two, the way to share my faith is by knowing the special gift Jesus has given me and then using it. All right? And I'm telling you what, you're going to need to know your special gift in order to grow strong. And we live in a world where evil times are not lessening, they're growing. In many ways, the end of all things is at hand. Now, just so that you know, 
for your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your great-great-great-grandparents, guess what? Things were pretty evil for them as well, right? They were pretty tough for them as well. The thing is, is that those evil times, those tough times never won. Your great-grandparents did. And that's important to remember. So our challenge is, even though we live in evil times and it's not getting easier, we need to grow stronger now more than ever. So let me talk to the adults for a little bit here, especially young adults. Are you uh, young and you're married or do you want to get married? Well, when you fall in love and you get married and you take a covenant with this person before God, you better be ready. It is a building block for civilized nations. It is a manifestation of God's design. Therefore, because of that, you become a target for the fiery missiles of the evil one. It's going to take a lot of strength, a lot of confidence to protect yourself and stand firm in your love for one another. If you want to be married and be happily married, then you better be ready to start doing some marital push-ups together, right? You have to work on it. You have to be fervent in your love, meaning intentional in building your love for one another. It doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen just naturally according to the path of this world. It happens naturally when you draw closer to God because the Spirit of God naturally bonds you together in one, cover, in, in one flesh. But if you want to get married or if you're newly married, then you better be ready because the times in which you live are evil and you become a target. You see, when you step up and you take a covenant of marriage before God, you become a target to the evil one, and he wants to take your marriage out. So be ready for that. Set a strong foundation now and before you have a lot of work to do to fix what's broken later. Number two is this. Are you a parent right now and you want to be a parent? Well, guess what? It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of perseverance. And I want to emphasize the word perseverance, okay? To raise strong and courageous kids who are prepared to go out into a dangerous and evil world and still thrive and prosper, okay? You, as parents, are standing against an onslaught from a culture that wants to deceive your kids. It wants to sexualize your kids and get them to think as skeptics or deconstructionists, meaning they don't trust anything or any truth, especially their parents, okay? So the only answer that you can give them to improve their lives is to train them how to think. Because the world wants to, to train them to think as skeptics and deconstructionists and victims. That there's nothing they can do to improve their lives. There's no effort that they can make. There's no training that they can do that's going to improve them. And when they start to believe this, then what happens is they believe that only the government or someone else can solve their problems. And what that does is that robs children of their independence. 
And you want to raise kids that are independent. They can think for themselves. They know what they believe and why they believe it. And I'll be honest with you, this is the most bittersweet thing you can do as a parent, right? Is to raise healthy, independent-minded, go-getter kids. Now, in my, I'll illustrate with my own family. I have three kids, okay? I have two that are about 18 months apart. You know, I mean, they're very, very close together. And then 10 years later, we had a caboose, right? So there's like a 10-year gap, okay? So our first two, you know, they're right behind each other at school, you know? They do well at school, then they get out, and then they go to college, they did well there, and they got out, and they get jobs, you know? And they became independent, independent of their parents, you know? And it's just like, well, this kind of stinks, you know. We raise these great independent kids, and what they do, they just go off all on their own. They don't need us anymore, you know. And on occasion, they might call and ask for advice or something. And so my wife and Jess, she goes, "Well, maybe our third one. Let's just mess him up so he needs us for the rest of our lives." <laughs> we did not do that. He is a go-getter, independent kid, and. And uh, people love him like no tomorrow. If you're a parent, it takes a lot of strength and confidence and perseverance to raise strong and courageous kids. And we live in an evil world today that is going after your kids. So how do you protect your kids? You share your faith. First with them and then with the people around you. Because that way your kids go, wow. My parents are serious about this. Maybe there's something true about it. And the second thing you do is you find your special gift and you start using it, you, right? You use that gift because that's how you can develop strong and courageous kids because then your kids are gonna grow up and go, well, what's my gift, right? What's my gift and how am I supposed to use it? This is for, this is for older adults, okay? Are you successful? Do you want to be successful? Do you want to see your prosperity increase and your wealth increase? That is a godly ambition. You know, the scripture teaches us how to do it. But you need to understand, it takes a lot of strength, discipline, and moral clarity when you start to develop wealth in your life. As a matter of fact, I would tell you that the more prosperous you become, the more Satan targets you because you now have means to make a difference. You now have the capacity to give significantly to make a huge difference for the advancement of God's kingdom. Okay? Look, when you strip it all down, when you strip it down, your wealth that you have comes from two primary things, right? The first thing it comes from is your hard work, your willingness to take a risk, your intelligence to navigate the marketplace, right? You went to school and you hit the books and you got the grades for that degree that allowed you to get that job that brought that success, right? So you have that. So that is your part. And so what happens, though, is sometimes we forget the other primary thing that brought us wealth. And you know what that is? 
It is your work ethic, your intelligence, your perseverance, your ability to take risks came from the vessel that God gave you, right? God created this context uh, that you did, right? He, he prepared the garden, so to speak, where you, where you sowed the seed and reaped the harvest. So they both work in tandem together. Why is that important? Well, it's important to understand because wealth will either strengthen you or it will undermine you. When a person honors God with their wealth, it strengthens them and they become a power-packed influence on the world because they are slowly helping expand the kingdom of God with their material resources, right? But on the other hand, you have to realize the more wealth you gain, the more schemes the devil throws at you. Your temptations grow stronger. You will experience more manipulation. You will uh, have more seductive and, and powerful temptations in your life simply because Satan cannot afford to have a focused, generous warrior of God on the battlefield who knows how to use the sword of money and the word of God. He can't afford for that. So he is going to try to undermine you always. So if you want to gain wealth, you better start honoring God with your wealth before you get there. Otherwise, it will become a burden as opposed to a blessing. That's important to know. Finally, uh, I, I have to throw this in. Um, and so I, this is for all of us, right? It takes a lot of strength, a lot of clarity, and a lot of courage to stand firm against the violent and manipulative uprisings that are happening in our world today and, yea, even now in our own nation. Our nation is at a crossroads, and I don't mean a political one. Right now, our nation is currently debating the core values and the foundation on which it was built. These are the principles that surround the most important questions of life that many people are not challenged to think about anymore. And that is, what is the definition of a human being, right? What, why are you here on this earth? And does your life have any value or meaning to it? There's really only two answers to that question. The first one is called the Christian worldview or the Christian answer. And that is, yes, we are here for a reason. Your life has value. Therefore, your life has purpose and meaning. And we are all loved by God, which makes us sovereign individuals. Okay? That is a Christian worldview. And these are the core values that flow out of the kingdom of God into this world. And many of these core values is what our nation was founded on by our founding fathers. But today, starting in the 60s is when it really took off, is there is a new religion that our American society, and it's the biggest religion, and it's called secular humanism or secular progressivism. And the core values from this worldview um, keep the focus on you as an individual, what you feel and what you want above everything else. 
And that's because it has a very devaluing interpretation of what it means to be a human being. And what's really interesting is that the reason why we have all these violent uprisings right now, and we have college campuses with people protesting, and they go in and they trash monuments, and they trash buildings, and they're, they're, they're on our own university campuses, they're hunting down Jewish people and making them hide. I mean, I, I, this is unbelievable. Well, the reason that has happened is because of secular progressivism. I know it's a big word, but this, it's so true. As a matter of fact, there was a professor at the uh, University of Southern California, USC, whom I sometimes root for their football team, by the way, um, but never their basketball team, just saying. Um, the, the issue is, is that a Jewish professor was walking by one of these groups protesting and chanting this homicidal, genocidal chant, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is an ethnic cleansing chant that says to eradicate all Jewish people from Israel. And he said, Hamas, the terrorists that came in are, murder, are, are murderers and they should be killed. So the, the university has suspended him from teaching all classes, right? And ensconced him uh, in his own home. In Queens High School just recently, there was a teacher who went to a pro-Israel rally in New York City, and there was a picture of her on her social media. So the students at that high school decided to protest the fact that she went to this thing, and they were running down the hall, and they were trying to find her so that she, was, she had to hide in a janitor's closet. This is happening in America. Why? Because of secular progressivism. Its ideology is evil beyond belief, and it's become rooted in the modern-day church of America, which is called the university campus. And we need to stand against that. That's all I'm going to... We have to stand with, with courage, with strength, with love and respect, but we can't bow down anymore. We need to stand up because the scripture says we must stand firm. You know, secular progressivism is attempting to unravel the country and it wants to take the foundation away from every good thing that we have been blessed with in our society. There's a gal who grew up in Somalia as a Muslim. Her name is Ayan Hirsi Ali, okay? And what happened is she immigrated to England then she immigrated to America. And what she said is when she got here, she, she saw what Islam had done, done to her, done to her family, and how oppressive it was. And she said, when I moved to the West, she said, I became an avowed atheist. She's been an avowed atheist. She's been a massive speaker, written books. She, two weeks ago, became a follower of Christ. And the reason why she became a follower of Christ, she says this. She says, I became a Christian you know, not only because of its claims, but because the only credible answer to the decline of the West, to this onslaught from these other ideologies, lies in our desire to uphold the legacy of Judeo-Christian tradition. She says, my atheist friends failed to see the wood for the trees. The wood is the civilization built on Judeo-Christian tradition. So we have to stand firm as adults with clarity and with confidence and with courage. 
So how do you get there? How do you grow strong in that? Well, you discover your special gift from God and you start to use it. Get excited about working out. And before you know it, you'll be doing 50 spiritual push-ups even if you're 80 years old. Let's stand for closing prayer. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we gain our strength, we gain our confidence, we gain our power from you and you alone. Let us never forget that. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.